from uh, Danville, Ohio, or Illinois, I believe, right? So Danville, Illinois. So they're a little ways away from home, but they're at home at Living Waters, and uh, just feel like they're they're home with us today. Amen. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, we're going to continue talking about abounding in hope, a series the Lord has led us to, and we are taking a lot of material from a book that I wanted to show today, a book I actually found in the library a couple months ago, didn't quite know what I was going to use it for, but it's called The Hope Quotient by Ray Johnston, so a lot of the devotionals in the last week I've written and in the sermon series we're going through, I'll take a lot from this book uh, because some wise words in here and I'm thankful that the Lord led me to that to help us in our pursuit of abounding hope. Amen? Amen. That's all right. You can stand if you would like. And also just announce one thing quickly as uh, we're turning there, if you're not there, Isaiah 40, 31. There was a revival in Madagascar over the weekend, and there was 2,371 people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen? So we thank God for that. Amen. Just shy of 3,000. Amen. Well, 2,300, but um, can round up there a little bit. But it's a good, a good thing to see God pouring out His Spirit in amazing measure. I believe it was last year they had a a revival of 3,000 in February, if I remember right. So um, God is pouring out his spirit in amazing ways, and uh, we want to acknowledge that. And I'm thankful for the praise that we have today. I went to a a game the other day, the Hillsborough Hops, never been to one. And they handed out white towels. This is just a hanky. Don't worry, there's no booger in it. But they gave out these little white towels, and every time there would be a run, everybody stand up wave the towel. Nobody had to tell them. They'd just stand up and yeah, they knew what to do with it. They scored a run. It's time to wave the towel. And so sometimes we got to come to the house of the Lord ready to wave the towel. Amen. Because he's worthy. Amen. He's worthy. He's worthy. Amen. They ended up winning the game and the guy hit a home or a, a single and there was a walk-off hit in the extra innings and they literally all ran on the field and dumped the caterade on him and and they were rolling around in the ground, and somehow in the process, he lost his shirt. And uh, it was just crazy. Bedlam. And so when we come to the house of the Lord, people might not quite understand it, but that's, we're just rejoicing. And God has done so much for us. Amen. That we cannot rejoice enough in Him. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 40, 31, without further ado, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. They shall renew their strength. And uh, we've been, again, talking about abounding hope. So today, in principle of that, the first thing we're going to examine, we've already looked at in our devotionals a little bit, is recharge your batteries. In order to abound in hope, we've got to stop every once in a while and recharge our batteries. Amen. Because of all that we're facing in life and all that's going on, we have to just stop and plug in. Amen. So Lord Jesus, we love you today. We're thankful for the opportunity to go to your word. Again, thankful for everyone who's here today. 
What a blessing to serve you together. What a blessing to just come together and worship you. We thank you for uh, the tailors that are here and the work they're doing in Illinois. We ask that you bless them on this time of vacation and spending time with their son that's here. We pray that you will send them back home with, with new strength, new hope, new vision for all that you're going to do in their church. We're believing you for great things for Living Waters Apostolic Church in Danville, Lord. Lord, we're expecting great things here as well, Lord. We want to put our hope and our trust in you today, God. And we just pray before we leave this place, if we're not recharged already, that we'll take advantage of the situation to just plug in and receive some renewed strength from you, Lord. Amen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. As you're seated, tell your neighbor to plug in. Man, plug in. Ray Johnston, and uh, again, this book in the beginning of the chapter on recharging batteries discusses a famous U-2 spy plane pilot named Francis Gary Powers. And in May 1st of 1960, Powers took off from a military base in Pakistan to fly a reconnaissance mission. 70,000 feet above Soviet Union. Unbeknownst to him, Soviet Union had been working on deferring this technique. And they had a surface-to-air missile they launched that was able to hit his aircraft. He was able to eject, but once he landed, he was captured and sentenced to three years of prison and seven years of hard labor for espionage. Thankfully, after two years, he was released because our government did a swap of prisoners and we gave them a KGB master spy in exchange for Powers. So Powers must have been a pretty important person, right? After being released, Powers went on to pilot a series of the world's most dangerous experimental aircraft. You would think he wouldn't want to fly anymore. But this guy was a man of courage. And he was a survivor. So he went on to command these dangerous experimental aircrafts. He worked as a Lockheed test pilot. And finally, he became a helicopter traffic reporter in Los Angeles. Fortunately, a few years later, his life was lost in a crash. He was just piloting a standard traffic helicopter for an L.A. television station when it went down. There was no surface-to-air missiles that were the cause of the accident. No machine gun fire. No opposition of any kind. So why, after all these flights, did he crash? The helicopter ran out of gas. Unbelievable, right? (laughs) After surviving the U-2 crash... Soviet prison, and literally thousands of experimental flights, he went down to his death because he ran out of gas. It reminds me of another great man of courage and survival named King David. David encountered enormous opposition, a lion, a bear, a nine-foot 
giant, the entire army of Saul seeking his life, and who knows how many other life-threatening scenarios. But none of these things caused the greatest crash of his life. The greatest crash came when he was at home, relaxing, during a time of war. He looked out of his window and succumbed to temptation of adultery and eventually murder. It wasn't a vicious army. It wasn't a nine-foot giant. It was the fact that he ran out of gas in his strength to resist sin. In principle, he ran out of spiritual fuel. David wasn't praying like he should. David wasn't in the connection with God that he should be. During his time of ease, he was caught in a horrible sin. Ran out of gas. It's dangerous to run out of gas. It's dangerous to lose power. And as I said earlier, plug in is something we all understand because we do it everywhere. The airports are inundated with plug-in stations now. Your airplane has a plug-in under the seat. Your house has outlets everywhere. We have chargers galore. The main reason, God forbid, we lose power with this device. If our cell phone loses its battery power, you might as well just take us to the hospital. You might as well just hook up the the heart monitor and make sure we're still alive. We pay close attention to the battery life of our phone. Very close. If only we cared so much about our spiritual level of energy. If only we watched the gauge of our soul, so to speak, to see if it was getting low and needing to connect and plug in to the master. It's just as easy. We complicate it, but it's just as easy. You just have to make a choice to plug in. Really. And in our devotion, we went over five things that kill our passion Next day we went over five things that renew our passion or our energy or our supply in the, in the book that he listed. And those are very practical things I encourage you to read. But today we're going to keep it simple. You just need to plug into Jesus. When you are running low, you need to plug in to Jesus. Isaiah chapter 40 is where we're going to look. We already read verse 31, but I want to back up to the very beginning to examine the context and And I've provided the verses overhead because I wanted to review in the New Living Translation. It's sometimes a little bit easier to read and understand. But it says, comfort, comfort my people. The very outset of this prophecy, the Lord says, comfort my people. Isaiah 40 marks a change in the theme or the voice of the prophecies of the book of Isaiah Chapters 40 through 66 are all about the Messiah. 
Chapter 39 and before have a lot more judgment and a lot more woe involved. But chapter 40 starts the swing of the pendulum to messianic prophecies to tell us about the coming Savior. The one who would robe himself in flesh and provide salvation. He's telling Isaiah, comfort my people because I am coming. I am coming. We should find great comfort in knowing that Jesus is coming. And the Lord is concerned about us being aware of it. And I believe he wants us to have the urgency to understand that he is our comfort. John 14, 16 through 18 says, I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter. Because I'm sure they were afraid that once Jesus left, their comfort would be gone again. But Jesus says this comfort will abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be. Jesus says right now you get to to be with me, but I shall be in you. You won't just be next to me. I will be in you. You won't just be in proximity to me. I will live inside of you. Because I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will gladly fill you up every time you ask. I will gladly be your source of strength. In John 14 Describes it a little further in case there's confusion about the comforter that will come. He says, but the comforter in John 14, 26, which is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. It's just the spirit of eternal God that was inside of Jesus and now is inside of the believers that follow him. Whom the father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. So when the Lord says, comfort my people, he wants Isaiah to get a clear message. I am coming. And now we're living on the other side where he has come. And in place of Isaiah, we need to rise up and declare to the world, Jesus has come. His comforter has come. His comforter is living inside of me. In verse 2 of Back in Isaiah 40, it says, after he says, comfort them, he says, speak tenderly to Jerusalem. They've been rebuked, but now it's time for them to receive tender instruction. Tell her that her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. It's not a whisper. But it's a shout because there's urgency, right? There's nothing more important in the world than salvation, than being filled with God's presence and God's spirit. There's nothing more important. So he says to shout it. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make straight a highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. 
And this is just speaking of in the old times when a king would come through an area, they would have to smooth out the path. They would fill in the, the valleys so it would be a smooth ride. They would knock down the, the hills because it would be a smooth ride. They would clear the brush and the debris so that he could enter in. And he's saying, whatever's in the way of your heart and me, move it out of the way. Because the king is coming. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. A voice said, shout. And I asked, what should I shout? Good question. Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. We're already beginning to get a picture that we aren't going to last forever on our own. This flesh, it withers. It fades. What we get all concerned about in the temporal doesn't last anyways. The beauty fades as quickly as a flower in the field. The hours we spend on trying to keep up our appearances. The millions of dollars spent in plastic surgery. Beauty's going to fade. Eventually, Botox isn't going to cut it. Your perma smile will not last. Because beauty fades. The, gra the grass, it withers. The flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of the Lord, the word of our God stands forever. If we're going to invest in something, it should be the word of God. Because it stands forever. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns in Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them where? Close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Jesus is coming. He has come, but he's coming again. The Lord has no equal. He goes on to say, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who else has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Think about it. Who else knows the weight of the earth? Or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? We try. <laughs> Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. That's the God we serve. Skipping a few verses for sake of time, they continue to speak about the greatness of God. But verse 25, it says, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. 
Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? Who brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by name? Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Saint of God, Pastor Dallas, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Again, they're not in the best mood right now. The nation of Israel has just heard they're going to be in captivity again. But God comes to renew their hope. Have you not heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak. And strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion. Fatigue happens to everyone. We all have limits. And in verse 29 and 30, the words weak and the words faint are words that speak to the failure of inherent strength or just the strength we're born with. The strength that God naturally gives us. None of us can run forever. Our bodies have limitations and some of us can't run more than a block. Some of us name our pet five miles so we can say we walked five miles this morning. We're weak. And sometimes it's just the exhaustion. It speaks of the exhaustion because of the hardness of life. Life's not always easy. I don't think I have to drive that point home. We got that one down. What I'm trying to say is it's okay whether you're just running out of strength because you're just not able to do anymore or because you're exhausted from trying to overcome something you've been battling with. It doesn't matter. There's strength available. Don't be upset because you're weary. Don't lose hope. Go to Jesus. Because verse 31 says, those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Well, I lost my strength. God gave me and I lost it. I don't deserve it again. It doesn't say that. It's not like the the soda you got and you drank it all and then you're sad because it's gone. Buy me another soda, Daddy. The Lord had free refills before McDonald's. Long before McDonald's. One of my pet peeves after I grew up enough and had something like McDonald's was when I go to a restaurant and they give you six ounces and they don't refill it. 
They charge you $1.99 for six ounces. Come on. Should be a crime. It's highway robbery. You go to McDonald's and get a 40 ouncer for a dollar. And get refills if I want. I could sit there for six hours and drink soda if I want to. For a dollar, you want to charge me for six ounces. Ridiculous. But God says, keep coming back. Keep coming back. You don't have to pay. Just keep coming back. You're going to find new strength. You're going to soar high on wings like eagles. You're not just going to have enough strength to just scrape by. Just moping around, around the, the, just dragging your knuckles on the ground. Oh, God, I can't make it. We've all been there. And I'm joking, but I'm making fun of myself too, so don't think I'm just picking on you. Elijah's, after a great, awesome miracle on Mount Carmel, a few hours later, he's sitting under a tree. Lord, why'd you let me ever be born? Crying under a tree. God can send fire from heaven and you're worried about Jezebel. We got to remember we can go back to the source again. And just like he delivered us before, he can deliver us again and again and again and again and again. And I can keep saying it all day, but you'll get annoyed real fast. Again and again and again. We can go to Jesus. Isaiah 40, 31 in the Amplified says, those who wait for the Lord, just to get a little better idea of what that means, it means who expect. Amen. What is hope? It's expecting God's going to do what he said he's going to do. That's hope. It's not an uncertain wish. Like, maybe. It's, he'll do it. He said he'll do it, so I'm going to wait till he does it, and I'm going to expect him to do it. I don't know how, I don't know when necessarily, but I expect him to do what he said he's going to do. So I will expect, I will look for, and I will hope in him. And if I take that approach, I will gain new strength and renew my power. I can't imagine if it ever happens, but it, it must make them have to hold in everything they can if they're a, a phone salesman and someone walks in, they just bought the phone the day before and they come in and say, my phone's broke. It won't turn on. Did you charge it? What do you mean charge it? Well, did you take this little port here and that little contraption that plugs into the wall or your car or something else and plug it in? I didn't even know that was there. What do you mean recharge? If someone came in, they'd be like, that person is a moron. Right? 
I go, yeah, guys, it's an easy fix. There you go. Wow, thank you. You're an amazing troubleshooter. It seems ridiculous, right? We all know if it dies, plug it in. It, we don't go ask about it. Oh, the battery died. What do I do? What do I do? We just say, who has a charger? <laughs> Is there a charger for you? And we scurry around looking for a charger. Immediately. We're, when we're without strength spiritually, we can't just throw everything away. Throw the phone away because it, it quit working. No, you charge it. You charge it. And it seems so simple. You're probably saying, why are you, making, why are you even talking to me that way? That does, that's so simple. Because we miss it. We get in a bad mood and we get irritable and we get cranky. And we get stressed and we get fearful and we get anxious. And we don't immediately go plug in. We're doing the same thing as I talked about. Or we feel like, oh, I should just give up. It's never going to work. Did you actually pray? No. I just felt really bad. I didn't want to pray. Well, I didn't want to charge my phone. It won't come back on. It's just making me mad. I didn't want to charge it, though. Who's, who's to blame? Plug your phone in. Get over it. I know it's simple. But the Lord promises if we'll come to Him, we'll find strength. We'll be recharged. We'll be renewed. He's even more reliable than the chargers because they sometimes break. And we quickly go buy another one, right? But Jesus never fails. Wait on the Lord. Psalm 25, 5 says, Lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. And on thee do I wait all the day. I didn't give these scriptures to Manny, I don't think. But Psalm 25, 5, the psalmist says, I wait all day on you, Lord. All day, I'm waiting on you. That doesn't mean he's just sitting around doing nothing all day. But all throughout his day, he's trusting in God to be his source of strength, no matter where he is or what he's doing. He's trusting in God to strengthen him and to provide for him and to bless him. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There's no question if you'll do it or not. There's only a question if we will wait on Him. Romans 8.25 says, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. If we hope for that we see not, we do with patience wait for it. In other words, we're going to keep on believing regardless if it happens right away or not. We're going to have patience to wait for God's promise to be fulfilled. 
Have you given up on his promise because it's taken longer than you expected it to? Or like Abraham and Sarah, do you continue to believe and with patience wait for it? Lamentations 3. I'll give Brother Manny a second to get this one because I want us to read it together. Lamentations 3, 25 through 26. Lamentations 3, 25. says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for Him. To the soul that seeketh Him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. It doesn't mean we can't say anything. It doesn't mean we can't make any noise. I believe what it's saying is we quiet ourselves from anxiety and stress and fear. We learn to be still and know that He is God. We quiet ourselves from all those Evil reports that are going around in our head. And we believe God is my source of strength. God is my source of salvation. And even though it doesn't seem like it right now, I'm going to wait on Him. I'm going to wait on Him. I'm going to plug in to Him. Waiting on God is not a passive activity. It's seeking to be connected with Him. The word in the Hebrew, part of the definition means a binding as if it were twisted together. Waiting on God means I know I need to be connected so intertwined with Him that it's like we're twisted together. I am connected completely to Him. I am plugged in. I'm walking with him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. A couple more verses, and then we're gonna have a chance to plug in. Cause it'd be awful ridiculous if I would talk about it and not give a chance to do it today. Matthew eleven twenty eight says Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And if you've been real good lately, if I feel like it, if it's a sunny day, no, it says, I will give. You rest. That is spoken by the God who cannot lie. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isaiah 28, 12. Isaiah 28, 12 says, To whom he said, This is the rest. Wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not 
here. God was waiting. God was offering. God was imploring. Yet they would not hear. If we lack anything, it's not because we cannot receive. It's because we do not come. We have not because we ask not. He promises, if you're weary, doesn't matter if you're weary because you did it. Your own ignorance, your own willful disobedience. He just says, come. Come, and I will give you rest. Amen. If we can stand today. Again, forgive the simplicity, but just I want us to have something we can relate to daily. Just we got to keep plugged in. We got chargers for the house. We got chargers in the car. And we have universal chargers that no matter where we go, unless we're camping somewhere where there's no electricity, then I'll just run my car and use my gas until it's charged. We make sure we are plugged in everywhere. We make sure that will never happen where we get to the place where we've run out of battery and if if we can help it at all, we're going to charge as quickly as possible. That's the same attitude I want to have towards being plugged in with God towards being surrendered to his spirit, walking in his love, walking in faith and hope and victory. Amen. So today, I believe it's a timely word. I believe that as I prayed and sought God the last couple days, some of us are just a little bit weary today. We've been trying to do our best to do what's right, to trust God, to believe him for miracles, to to get past the situations we've seemingly been stuck in for a long time. And God's today just saying, I want you to know I'm your source. I am your source. No matter what, you can come and find rest for your weary souls today. Amen. So today, don't don't worry about anybody else, but if you would like...